Whether you're looking for a convenient refresher course, or a way to earn your Pragmatic certification at your own speed, or the chance to take a Pragmatic course from your specific corner of the world, then Foundations On Demand is the solution you need. Get the same great content, tools, and templates our Foundations course is famous for in a flexible and easy-to-use online learning platform. Learn the skills you need to build and market products people want to buy. And earn your Pragmatic Institute certification anywhere, anytime. No more travel worries, no more time zone issues, just truly great training. Experience the new way of training with Foundations On Demand from Pragmatic Institute. Visit pragmaticinstitute.com foundations to learn more. Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Product Chat series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I am Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing and Product Strategy at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. And today, I am extremely excited to have on our show Kirsten Vandetta, Group Product Manager at LinkedIn, passionate product manager, practical, I'd say product evangelist, right? Talking about what it really means to be a great product manager and make good products. So welcome, Kirsten. Thanks, Rebecca. I'm excited to be here. All right. Today, we're going to really dive into a great topic, right? How to be a product manager that engineers don't hate, right? How do you really kind of be the best partner for them they can be? But before we jump into that, why don't you give listeners a little bit more of an understanding about who you are, your background, and why you are so passionate about product? Oh, well, I'm passionate about product because I didn't know it existed (laughs) until I landed in it. And it has been like the exact role that fits everything I love to do. My background is actually coming up through project management to business analyst. And so my first product management role was leading a team for a flagship CRM that we actually sold to external customers. And so I've worked in products everywhere from huge, massive enterprise scale products down to smaller ones, you know, delivering things to universities. And now here I am at LinkedIn working with sales technology. All right. So I think one of the things that we often hear from product managers and from engineers, right, is the tension between the two, right? And it's it's such an important relationship. Like we can think about the best products to build all day long, but like, you know, a product plan is not the same as a product, right? Like you, you need to make it a reality. So let's talk a little bit about what it is that engineers like would love for us to do and what it is as product managers we should really bring to the table. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting. I've worked with lots of different engineers, everything from platform style engineers all the way out to B2B to C where we're working with lots of customers. And so the style of working can be a little bit different. What they really look for is a partner, right? And so when you think about what the value of PM brings to the team, they're ultimately the voice of the customer. They should be the voice of the business. They should be a product advocate. They should have a product vision. And so what engineering teams really need from us is to shine in those areas. And how we can do that is being all those things, number one, but connecting the dots for them too. So I've been in situations where, you know, I've had engineers that have had bad PMs and they're like, I don't even care about PMs. Just put me in front of the customer. 
And then I, I can solve their problems if I can just hear from them directly. And what you bring to the table is, sure, that's true, but I also bring to you our business requirements, our business rails, compliance requirements. Um, I help filter through all that user data so you don't have to. And I streamline what's coming your way based on what we see the highest impact for the business is going to be. So you really have to shine in those areas, I think. So it's about uh, not just serving as the voice of the market, although obviously that's a really important one, but combining that with the, the understanding of the business and business needs, any industry or regulatory needs, and delivering all of that context, but in a way that's not a 200-page novel that you expect them to read before every project, right? Because that's the thing, like you think about the amount of inputs we have, all those inputs make our understanding really, really, really rich. What is difficult then is how do I synthesize that down? How do I make it really like accessible for others, but without losing too much of the depth of too much of the sort of like 3D understanding of things? And I think that is what you're saying we need to do for engineers on a, on a regular basis. I've found that that's created some of my most powerful engineering relationships is when I show up as the connector. And so like you're saying, I'm not, you know, giving everything to them through a fire hose, but if I'm asking them to, to consider this very important problem to solve, I should come with why, and I should understand the whys. I should be able to take a, you know, a complete smattering of questions and answer all of them. That was one of the first lessons I learned. Like, don't show up and think you can just tell them like, here's what we need. You're going to do it this way. Here's the design. <laughs> and I'll see you at the end of the sprint. Right. It was like, well, why do you think this? And why wouldn't we go this other way? And how is that going to be competitive? And so I found that being a connector and really being ready to connect those dots. How does that connect to our vision, Kirsten? Why are you asking for this last minute? And so it really is the partnership, seeing them as partners and having them see you as a partner is the most important piece, I think, because you really can't, like you said, you can't just be like, and here's all the things I know. And so here's where we're going. But I think the questions at the moment, they can feel like, oh, more questions. But like, that is the sign of a good engineer. That is the partner you want on the other side. Who's not just like, okay because she said so, right? That is really trying to understand it. Because I, the other thing I really think is that we provide that information to unlock their creativity and their skill set, not to confine it. And that's why those questions are so important, right? Like, here's the problem I need you to solve. Let me really make sure you understand that because you know better than I do how to solve it. And I think that's another place that it's that partnership means that I also don't go over over there. I respect the talent and the skill sets that they bring to the conversation. Absolutely. That's such a great point. I think I've mentored a lot of PMs and, and one of the things I see a lot is, you know, I'm sending this to engineering and they're building something else. So they're not asking me about it. And like, why are they doing this other thing? And I think that comes from a space of PMs believing they're in charge. <laughs> right. And when you look at it very, very differently, when you look at it, like you're saying, I am in charge, yes, of the problem. I'm in charge of the why. I'm in charge of the what. But engineering ultimately is in charge of the how. Mm -hmm. And you want them to be. You don't, you likely do not have the technical knowledge and the deep like work that they do on a constant basis to really be the best person to solution. And so leaning on them and giving them everything they need to create the best possible solution definitely, definitely makes them not hate you. <laughs> 
Yes. Yes. And I think it's interesting because we are the voice of the market and, and sort of the business problems in that combination, that, that little like the intersection point. We are the voice of that to a lot of different groups. And so I think one of the things we have to think about is how we share, how we communicate those things to the different groups based on their needs and to some extent their personas. So when we talk about that's what you should bring to the development team, what are some of the things you see? What are your suggestions about like really good communication vehicles or techniques or styles that you think particularly work without engineering relationship? Do you mean essentially like how to bring the, how specifically you would communicate or how you approach sort of bringing the team along? I'm trying to see if you mean like. I was thinking about like when I think about how I communicate and what I communicate with my sales audience, my finance audience, and my engineering audience. It is different, not just different areas of focus, but also different communication styles that I think tend to work better with different groups. Now, obviously, within all those groups are people and people have different <laughs> needs, right? right? But right. I, I do think there are some areas that I that I use at least to go, okay, for this group, this is an area that I want to make sure I do. I don't need as much as this. And this is a style that maybe resonates more with them. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I think that to your point, first point is they're all people, right? So, <laughs> right, exactly. The first thing to do is really get to know your engineering team. You know, for example, I've had engineering teams where, you know, three of them are these highly innovative, don't tell me what to do, be concrete on the problem. And then maybe I have some more junior engineers I'm working with that really want more direction. They're going to need something far more concrete than I'm giving the other engineers. And so depending on what I'm communicating, really the style is one full transparency. I think when what I bring to the team is making sure they're getting the same user feedback I am, whether it be negative or positive, but me putting that in a translated way that's not like, oh, here, just look at all of this terrible things our customers have said. Like here, I can see that there's a pattern here. Looks like this area of the product, what you guys think. I'm also highly collaborative in the way that I am engage engineering. I don't walk into a room and say, hey guys, like just got out of this leadership meeting. It's time to roll with, you know, what the last hippo asked for. Um, so let's get rid of what's in the sprint and let's go. And this is exactly what we're doing. It's, it's always like, hey, you know, here's what I'm hearing. Here's what's coming my way. Can we talk about where this can go in the product or sort of what are your plans there? And so I think it's always very collaborative and transparent. Yeah. I think I would, I would, I would say those two things. Yeah. And I think collaborative and transparent touches on something that I think is also really important for a good working relationship, which is trust, right? That's how we build that trust. And it's in an environment where there is trust both ways that everyone can be the most successful. Absolutely. I think once you get your team there too, like building that trust and building the psychologically safe space where you know, if you're going to run a sprint retro, if you do scrum, everybody can come to the table in a very open and honest way. And it's not in an attacking way. It's like, here's how we all move forward together. And so building that trust, I think requires PMs to not harbor things, right? Like be transparent, be a domain expert uh, and be that connector so that they trust that you're bringing the value to the team that a PM is supposed to. Yeah. Be a partner, be transparent and bring that context that they're looking for. It's so funny too, because we were talking about getting ready. You're like, this is how you can be a product manager that engineers don't hate. And you were like, I'm not going to say that it'll be one that they love. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and I thought that was really funny that like, 
maybe that, but that, you know, if we can get where they don't hate, that's a, that's a, that's a win. Well, I would love to hear too. I mean, you've worked with a bunch of different engineering teams and, and you've managed a lot of different product managers and mentored them. What are some of those, like some of the stories that you've heard about either really good successes or like, mm, and then we missed it and fixed it later. <laughs> I think I'll start with, I'll start with the what not to do. I think, because I think those stories come to you more naturally, like, oh, I learned that the hard way or somebody else right? did. But, you know, one of the biggest things I've seen is, and, and something I had early in my career is you kind of show up with the team. You're like, oh, okay, you know, it's sprint planning. Like, let's look what it's in the backlog. And you're just sort of grabbing what's there. And you might think something is more important, but really you're just this sort of like laissez-faire PM. Like, yeah, let's work on what's here. And it can kind of come off as being disorganized. It can come mm. off as being unprepared and not having that depth of domain knowledge in your market, in your business, in your product that engineers are relying on you for. And so I've had a couple of situations where there was this one PM I was mentoring and they were just like, every time I go in, like, yeah, we, we go through a lot of features and we're churning them out. Like our burn down chart is phenomenal, but we are delivering like zero value. And it was like, mm. well, why do you think that's the case? And who's responsible for filling the team with valuable and meaningful work, right? And it comes down to the PM. And so that kind of goes back to that being a connector too. When you are prepared and you have a vision and you know what your strategies are with your product, that shows up in everything from a one-off conversation with an engineer who had an idea to sprint planning to what's coming out the other side. It's funny when you talk about your projects too, you always, you do it with a level of enthusiasm. It's not like a fake, like rah-rah enthusiasm. It's just like, it's passion. Passion's probably a better word, right? Passion and belief in what we're building and going and bringing that in is is important. Everybody wants to follow a leader, right? We're not owners of, every, of the process, right? We own the right. problem, like you said, not the solution. I don't own it. I don't manage you, but I can certainly lead by bringing some of that excitement in that context in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really big. I think one of the other things I see a lot is what I call the messenger. Some people will call it the yes man. But when you, and this happens really, you know, in early PM careers too, where you're not really sure where you can draw lines or how to negotiate or push back, especially if it's a, you're working with a C-suite or something like that. And every leadership meeting you go into, you come back out and you go to the team and you're like, oh, okay, new direction, <laughs> Right. And eventually the team is scared every time you come yeah. out of a meeting. You're like, oh no, here, here she comes. And I think I learned that the hard way that I wasn't, at, when you advocate for the product, you're also kind of advocating for the team. Like, how do we do our best work? How do we deliver impact every sprint? How do we deliver value every sprint? And I'm saying sprint, assuming a lot of people do scrum, but they may not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, how do we deliver value? And I think it's, it's just one of those things that every PM kind of has to learn the hard way, I think, is how to get rid of your ego and leave it at the door so that the team together moves forward with the high impact work. Yeah, we all we all have scars <laughs> that way, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. All right. That No, that's all. I, yes. Yes to everything you said. What other things when you talk about that relationship and whether it's stories you've heard or tips and tricks that you would give to our listeners to be like, like whether it's someone who's new or someone who has an existing relationship that maybe has not been ideal. I like threw 17 questions at you. You can choose which one you want to answer. <laughs> like what, which one? Okay. Um, yeah. I, think, 
I, you know, I think one of the hardest lessons I've learned and, and several of my peers, and I, you know, I don't want to say it's our fault as PMs, but there's a lot of pressure in a PM to give deadlines, to give estimates, to give timelines, to commit to roadmaps, to commit to features. And we're doing a lot of that in spaces where engineering teams are not represented. And I worked really hard in one of my roles to put engineering in the room with me. And some people might disagree with that. And at the time, I don't think my VP agreed with it either. (laughs) But what I saw was that I was often having to answer on behalf of the engineering team in ways that weren't conducive to them being successful. So for example, if the CEO is like, hey, I want this and you know, how fast can I have this? Can I have it in a year? And I say, yes, my team has failed before they've started because I didn't even talk to them first. Right, yeah. Right? And so I think it goes a long way in building trust with the team too. If they know they can count on you when you're in rooms, they're not in. And you're speaking up on their behalf to say, let me get with the team and get back to you on that. Let's get some high level estimates put together. But I have seen PMs walk in and give estimates and walk back out and go, okay, here's what we've got, guys. Like, here's how we're going to move through this. I think that goes a long way in being a PM. Engineers do not hate. No, and I I think that's, again, it's that kind of way where you build trust because you are also signaling that their level of expertise is different, right? I'm not going to speak for you. I might have a guess, but that doesn't matter. I'm going to make sure that you, you, I'm going to bring you into the process. My goal is not to keep you out. It's to help that facilitation. Yeah. Yeah. What about if someone is, you know, maybe hasn't had the best relationship yet, right? You're in a position, you think, ah, we do not have this ideal relationship. I think they might hate me. They might have a pinata with my face on it. Uh, (laughs) How can we start to make steps to, to repair that relationship? I have had that. It's really tough. I've coached other PMs through it. And I think generally where I start is the same thing I would do with users is empathy, right? What is this person not getting from me that they need? How can I find ways to connect? Generally, you can reach some sort of in between, go between, even if the compromise is, look, I don't like you and I don't have to like you, but I can figure out how to work professionally with Mm you. That can happen. But generally I've, I've had at least the ability to connect enough to say, you know, set a meeting, set a 30 minute or a 15 minute connect, find ways to connect outside of the projects you're working on to build more of a rapport. It's pretty funny. I started in tech a while back. I won't tell you how long, but I started in tech a while back. And when I initially started working with engineers, I read this article that said, you know, what do you do in these tough relationships when you really cannot bridge the gap between this engineer that just does not want to work with you? And one of the recommendations was to buy them an Xbox controller. (laughs) That is one silly, but two, it kind of goes it kind of goes along with why some engineers also struggle with PMs is we have this picture in our minds of who they are, how they work, right? They're all gamers or whatever. Right. It's just not that way. Everybody is so unique and you might discover something you didn't realize that maybe they had a terrible PM for you mm. before you, and you can figure out how to bridge that. But it really starts with communicating. Like you asked yeah. earlier, transparently. And to your point, at a personal level, like I think when we think about our users, what we use our empathy to understand their problems and kind of build personas, we can use that same superpower that we have internally to really understand our engineers and figure out one step at a time how we can start to build that connection. And I think finding places for quick wins, right? 
like especially when you, whether you're new or you're trying to build something in, you're not going to solve everything at once, right? Mm-hmm. We're not going to make everything at once. How can I do something along the way that's going to reinforce trust and show value earlier? Yeah, actually, that's a great example. I have, I was working with an engineer who really, really didn't like me, but also just did not like anybody else. (laughs) Not a people person. And, you know, a a lot of that comes from you guys don't know what we do, so you can't possibly know what we should work on. So why am I listening to you, right? There's a lot of that that can happen. And this person, we'd come round and round and round. And it was just like, every time I got in a meeting with this person, they would just terrorize everybody in there. But just, I mean, everybody came out of those meetings exhausted because we just got absolutely hammered and not, not that kind of hammered. Um, I mean, maybe if they drive you to drink like that, I can't, you know, and, um, you know, finally I reached out and I said, Hey, you know, can we do a, it was like a quick coffee chat or whatever. And I said, Hey, you know, I would really like to see, I put something in front of them that I thought they also wanted. I would really like to see us move through this next project or this next initiative. And I would love for you to lead in this conversation area about the technical solution. Is that something that I could count on you for? And so Mm -hmm. sort of giving them some more autonomy and -hmm. moving them towards that. And so we started to share sort of that leadership role and that brought us along enough that we weren't going into these meetings and just getting absolutely thrashed, like because they felt some ownership and they weren't just being told what to do. So kind of depends on the person, but I I like the small wins that you're saying, like that was tiny, but it made a world of difference. But a huge difference, right? And sometimes it's just that you showed the effort, right? Even if it wasn't the right one. Do you think there's anything different in PM engineers relationship, whether you're sort of an internal product manager or an external one? Yes and no. The only reason I say yes is because internal and external PM orgs can be set up quite differently, right? Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. you may have in an external PM org, the engineering organization, say, has a lot more power and maybe they run their work a little bit differently. Maybe they're more agile. Whereas in an internal PM org and internal engineering, they might actually work more closely where engineering is kind of taking orders a little bit because some of that work is coming directly from the business. But the overall relationship that you have with engineering, the room you give them to solution, coming and showing up as that connector PM, you know, linking everything to vision and and the product strategy, that to me is the same. Because I think at the end of the day, engineering really wants to be as empowered and autonomous as possible. And you're sort of the one that has to support that either way, external or internal. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. I think mostly it's the same. I was thinking about like, because there is in some extent closer proximity to the market and the user in internal, Mm -hmm. if there was sometimes more of the the thinking they didn't need that context part, I've not seen that. So I'm just, I'm imagining horrors that may not exist in the (laughs) world. But yeah, I mean, I I, I know you've worked with both. So I I think, uh, I, I think, again, for the most part, it probably is very similar. Yeah, it can be. I mean, there's definitely differences. And to your point, they are close. You know, I work with a great internal engineering team right now and they can, they can go sit with sales and do a side by side and find out on their own where, you know, as an external engineer, that's a little tougher. But actually when I was an external PM, I fought to bring my engineering teams along with me to focus groups. And some people would say like, hey, they should be building something. Like, why do you have them coming? (laughs) Well, if they have empathy for the user and they understand what's going on, 
then we're all partners here. We're like all on even keel footing and we're just all working together to get it done. Again, I think that's great. I mean, they're not going to go in every meeting and every focus group, but again, because no matter how hard we try, we, when we synthesize the information down, you lose some of the color and the flavor and the, the humanness of it and giving them an opportunity periodically to experience that firsthand means that they bring that experience as they read your smaller chunks of context. As they look at your user stories, they have, they have the depth that we have when we look at it. We're like, it's all right there in those two sentences, guys, right? But we yeah. bring with it so much knowledge and so much like understanding that I think that can be a really powerful tool. I, it has been some of my favorites. I have this, I have so many favorite engineers. <laughs> I, guess you can't I was going to say, like, what are the engineers <laughs> that you find? Like, we're talking about I what we, they want from so us. What are the ones that like to like me, but I love them. (laughs) (laughs) I had one engineer where it was the first time I had brought them into this user group focus group. And I said, he was like, I mean, I'm excited to go, but like, what do you want me to do? And I said, I honestly just want you to listen because I think things might land differently for you than they land for me. And I don't want to miss picking up on something. Mm -hmm, And we mm -hmm. did, we both came away with very different things and ideas. So it was really great. I do love that when you take another person on a market visit, whether it's an engineer or something else or, or do a focus group, it's always fascinating to me. They're, they're both right, but we will definitely come at it from two different ways. And you think, huh, I would not pick that. That was not one of the things that popped to the top for me. All right, Kirsten, we talked about a lot of different things today. If you were going to get people to do two things differently tomorrow based on what we talked about today, what would that be? Two things. Mm-hmm. Pressure's on. I think the number one thing is use that user empathy superpower with your engineers. See that they are your partners, not your resources. And with that empathy, I think the second thing is you have to show up with the value a PM is supposed to bring. It doesn't fly for engineering if you are not connecting the dots for them, right? You're not making sure that you understand the problems and and what those priorities should be for the business and why you can't answer the questions. If I could add one more, I learned this early on in the worst possible way. Oh no. Um, And so, well, you know, as a PM, you have lots of meetings and you're, you're in leadership meetings all the time. And so you write your user stories and you guys do sprint planning and then you're gone for two weeks and the team's pinging you, but you're just, you're so busy, right? And then you go into sprint review and they're like, here's what we built. And you're like, what is this? And they're like, well, you weren't here. Mm-hmm. You are not available. So I would say the third thing is be available. Yeah. Be available because you are part of the team. Yeah. If you want them to make you part of the team, you have to go both ways. I think that's really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Kirsten. Really appreciate you joining me today and for sharing all your experience and insights. Yeah. Thank you, Rebecca. Great to be here. All right. That does it for today's episode. Thank you everyone for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career.